So hello, everyone. I'm so excited to be here. My name is Victoria. Um, I'm with Ugly Ventures, and we're here to talk about how to prepare your business for growth and investment. So if you're here, I'm going to go ahead and dive right in. We've kept a couple minutes uh, to get everyone in and settle. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and dive right in. And I want to explain that uh, today in the presentation, it's really going to be talking to people that are thinking about funding or just getting started with the process and don't know where to start. Um, but if you're already sort of in, in the middle of a funding round, um, one of your first funding rounds, and I hope that this gives you some good ideas and some ways to sort of improve the current process because it is a very special time uh, to be fundraising. So our goal, of course, is to develop, you know, put a little bit of a strategy behind how you're finding investors and how you're marketing to investors and communicating your business. And I'm going to go through uh, two sections there. First, sort of about finding the investor uh, and some ideas to do that. And then, you know, how to improve, improve your deck and what are the things that you're really going to want to be uh, communicating to potential investors to hopefully land that pitch meeting or that deal. So just to go ahead and get started, a little bit about me so you know who, who you're talking to, who this voice is behind the screen. I'm Victoria. Um, I am the co-founder at Ugly Ventures, and I also work as a fractional chief marketing officer for startups, um, primarily helping to create and execute sales-focused marketing strategies as startups grow, um, usually as they're preparing for a funding round. And I also continue execution uh, after funding has been secured if needed, um, before really permanent teams are built out. So I'm really like a, a holdover um, as marketing teams grow to give sort of that higher level uh, strategy, that experienced uh, CMO uh, level to startups that oftentimes can't afford it. Um, so I also at the beginning here of the presentation put my contact information over here if you want to uh, reach out but can't stay till the end of the presentation because Lord knows uh, things come up these days with all this craziness. Um, so let's go ahead and get in. So when we are uh, working with startups that are thinking about going in for investment, uh, we always want to start really with what we need. And it may seem kind of obvious, but it is a process that oftentimes, you know, we, we see that sometimes people aren't, aren't very keen on understanding exactly the types of different types of investments that are out there, uh, the different types of investors, the different ways in which they can uh, get money into their business. And now with COVID more than ever, there are a lot of interesting options. There's tons of really exciting grants um, as well. Uh, so, you know, whether you choose to go the traditional VC route or, you know, you're looking for an angel or whatever it may be, um, it's really to start with what is the goal, what is the amount that you need, and what type of relationship do you want to have with your potential investor? Um, you also want to look about, think about what kind of value are you looking for this person to add to your business? You know, how involved do you want them to be? And so what we often, uh, like to go through this little exercise, just like you would have done probably a ideal 
client avatar for your business, for your brand and your marketing is to, to go ahead and write out, you know, what your dream investor would look like, what previous businesses had, would they have been involved in in the past? What skills would they bring to the table? Um, what pieces of the puzzle might they help fill um, in your business? Uh, and, you know, write it all out, give, give them a name, give them, you know, a whole history, have that sort of person in your mind um, as you're going through this process. I find it really, uh, really helpful because, you know, sometimes we kind of go out and follow um, some, maybe some connections that we have and things like that. And one of the number one complaint that I have seen from founders in general is getting involved with investors that aren't a, a good fit for their business, but also for their personality. So it is a very serious uh, situation you can get yourselves in. And so I think it takes, uh, it is really helpful to take a little bit of time and sort of map out who that person would be for you. And so you could also use a source, a resource like crunchbase.com, which will help you weed out investors uh, that might not be useful to your business. You can find different kinds of investors by funding type. Uh, It also, you can determine their credibility. So it's a really good way to sort of get started with finding potential investors. And so just on that note, I want to share that this, this whole thing is going to be recorded and uh, I'll be able to pass a couple uh, additional resources that I talk about throughout the presentation through the follow-up email. So you'll have all of that stuff at the end. Again, if you have to rush off or get interrupted. Um, so yeah, so again, we have a big pool of investors all over the world, all over the country. There's so many potential um, people to work with in the world. So the first step of the process is starting to really narrow down who you go out after because the the riches are in the niches, as they say, and you really want to be hyper-focused on getting someone that's going to be right for you, Um, which is a tough thing because a lot of times we, as entrepreneurs, we feel like the fire is under our ass to just get it going. But um, again, alignment is key. So do research, do lots of research. So once you've developed that ideal avatar for your investor, go ahead and start doing some really deep research on the people that you are thinking of approaching once you start that weeding out um, process. One of the biggest complaints I get from the investors in our network is that, you know, a lot of founders just blindly send their pitches. Um, They're just mass sending pitches. They're not thoughtful. They're not tailored. um, And oftentimes the the person that's sending the pitch hasn't even read the company mission statement. So the first place to start um, is read that investor, go to that investor website um, if they have one or look through their LinkedIn if it's more like an individual angel and maybe they're not part of a bigger group or the bigger website, but go through all of these resources and um, really get a deep understanding of what this investor is interested in, what gets them excited, what businesses have they invested in previously. And if they do have a company mission statement, you know, pay close attention to that, allude to it, and really resist the, uh, the urge to just mass send, you know, like a mass sales pitch because they can smell it a mile away and it just really, uh, it doesn't help your cause. So how can we sort of start developing uh, or finding the right investors, the ones that are going to be perfect for us? 
you know, once we've gotten off of the general Google search stuff. So there are, a, you know, a couple more steps. First is really utilizing mentors. Um, there's so many wonderful uh, community virtual and well, hopefully one day again in person communities for founders and funders. And I'll talk a little bit more about that in one of the next slides. But the best way we're going to find our investors is to go through our network. But we have to be very um, careful and thoughtful in how we approach developing this relationship and nurturing. Um, so we, you know, kind of start honing in on these potential investors. We ask around, we utilize the opinions of mentors, we read their mission statement, we make sure their goals are aligned with the goals of our company, um, that they've, you know, previously invested in com companies that would be similar to our business model, um, that they themselves have a track record. You could read reviews of investors, you can ask for references, which I think some people don't realize, but any any good investor would be really happy to share uh, references of, of companies and founders that they've worked with previously. Um, because again, even if the mission aligns and on the outside, things look really keen um, for, you know, how it would work at how that person would fit into your business. The, the sort of, um, I guess you would say like the, the other side of the coin is even if the mission is one way, we want to make sure that the personality really fits. Right. And that's where reading these reviews and getting these references are really important and just getting clear on the reputation, um, you know, socially of, of that investor. And one of the reasons is, you know, the investor you're bringing in as part of your company and you want to make sure that even the personal life of this investor aligns with the vision and goal and mission of you and your business. You don't want to be you know, caught down the line in a situation where investors engage with something that is very against your moral code, for example, or, you know, that they're also investing in companies that are also against maybe the fabric of who you are as a person. So doing your research is really important. Um, and there's another website called thefunded.com where you can also vet uh, potential investors as well and get all of this kind of juicy information that's a little bit, uh, you know, outside of reviewing their website. So the next step is really building those genuine relationships. And this takes time. It really takes a lot of time and effort. Um, and so getting introductions, really getting into a community um, like SoGal or EO, which is Entrepreneurs Organization. EO is an international organization. Um, of founders, but has a lot of great resources and there's a lot of um, funders that are connected to that organization and uh, a community group like SoGal, who I, I am the uh, chapter leader for SoGal here in Miami. Uh, and SoGal is uh, also an international organization. It's a nonprofit focused on bringing together founders and funders and fostering the next generation of, of founders and funders focused really on traditionally underserved founders and funders, really helping to kind of breed the next generation of funders um, with a heavy focus on women, uh, people that maybe wouldn't norm normally be in the position to be an investor. There's a lot of education on that side. So SoGal is a really lovely way to expand your network um, 
uh, as a woman, especially uh, where you could come in contact with many funders that are interested in, uh, you know, projects that are, have female uh, founders. Uh, but once you, of course, you, you sort of are, you're making those introductions, you're kind of getting, you're driving with, you know, getting an idea of, of maybe the investors that you might want to approach. I really wouldn't recommend, again, just blindly sending your pitch deck. I think uh, establishing a relationship, you know, and I, just as a sidebar, a lot of the, the investors that I have in, in my network, for example, are a little bit on the older side. And what I have found, uh, you know, if you're dealing or if you're coming in into the world with a lot of older men, for example, I've found it really um, helpful to do to be consistent, reaching out, asking for advice, you know, picking up the phone if you feel comfortable to just to talk and 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 ask them about their experience and ask them about um, you know, just their lives. I think this is sort of a, you think about build, building a friendship and maybe in that investor won't end up funding you, but it's those relationships that are going to get you into the, that next level network. That's really going to be a wonderful place for you mm -hmm. to find an investor. Um, and oftentimes, you know, there's a trail, right? The investors can lead you and that introduction to another investor is really priceless. So it's really consistent. Uh, a consistent reach out is key. And what, what I, from a marketing perspective, what I think is a really great plan is to just have a scheduled, consistent reach out by email, personal emails, um, I wouldn't slap everyone onto a, onto a newsletter, for example. I would hone in on those 10, 20, 30, 50 even um, investors, and I would just bang out once a month just a really genuine personal email. Um, and again, sharing re relevant news. And you're going to want to start building um, an idea for them about your personality, your passions, what your goals are, and this is key, how you follow through on your goals, right? You want to showcase yourself as a brand because, you know, 90%, a lot of, uh, of, of why an investor chooses to invest in a certain company has to do with the founder and the team that they believe in that team and that founder. And so really taking the time to cultivate that relationship, but also strategically adding that information about yourself, your team, your, um, your accomplishments is really going to help build that picture for these contacts of yours. So really, but key not to put someone into an email list. Um, it's that genuine relationship and that give and take. Um, and then of course we, you can ask, you can make that ask, but we need to, do that when the moment is right. Um, and, and that's really key because there's a lot of different, there's a lot of personalities on both sides of the fence. And I feel like a lot of it is a gut instinct. You know, some, some investors are, are really uh, keen to kind of cut to the chase um, and, and they want to see it right away and they'll invite you to send, but I really wouldn't uh, go ahead and blindly send because, you know, investors get hundreds of pitches hundreds of pitches a week um, and more probably for bigger investors, of course, but the ones that are going to really cross over are the ones that build relationship. So now that we sort of established the process and there is no magic bullet, it's a very slow process. So now we want to look at what are some of the key components 
um, the key information that you want to have prepared in order to impress uh, these potential investors. So I have seven, seven steps here, okay? And it doesn't matter, you know, obviously people go looking for funding at different stages of their business, but we want to present clearly and concisely um, you know, what are the margins in your business? You have to have a very, very clear idea of your numbers. And even if you're not a numbers person, even if you're the creative side of a partnership or whatever, I've seen, I've seen founders get eaten alive. And it's just so hard because when you're in front of an investor, and even if it's in a casual setting and you don't expect to pitch, you want to be able to drop those numbers like that. You want to know your numbers like the back of your hand. Otherwise, any smart investor wouldn't give you a second chance. And it is, it is hard because a lot of us were so passionate and so creative and maybe we're great team leaders and maybe the finances aren't our favorite part of the business. But when you're doing a funding round, you need to be the expert on your numbers. Do not leave it to your partner either. Um, it's a really bad sign if in a partnership, the one partner doesn't know anything about the numbers and only one person is kind of the keeper of that. Know your numbers. So understand your margins, right? You want to show the potential that your company has for growth. You want a crystal clear communication of your business model, right? The, 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 the way that your business is structured operationally. Um, communicate the problem that you're solving um, and show how you're different from the competitors. And of course, you guys can read the slides. But what I really want to dig into um, is point six and point seven. Because, you know, a lot of the, you know, the, the numbers and sort of the business model, all of that stuff is quite objective. You can put together, you know, really nice slides about the size of your market. And, you know, you can find a product with great margins and you got a great business plan. But the most important thing really is the team. And I'm guessing that there's people from all over the country, but I'm going to speak a little bit to Miami and South Florida and what my experience has been with investors here as a community leader through SoGal. So I've had a great opportunity to talk with a lot of investors, angels, VCs, institutional investors, all, like across the board. And one of the number one chicken and egg problems that we have in South Florida is there's not, there's not a, um, I guess a reputation in this part of the country for having mm -hmm. these strong, strong um, execution teams. Right. And, you know, there's not world famous accelerators down here. There are some excellent accelerators, um, but the, you know, the university programs, the accelerators, we don't have those notoriously famous programs here in South Florida, which makes a lot of times some hesitation for investors. So I feel like this point is going to be one of your biggest challenges if you are here in South Florida to really show that you have the best team behind you to execute, that you as a founder are the best leader to execute this business. And one of the greatest ways that you can prove that point is with this seventh point is about traction. 
So traction is like the, of course, the buzzword that everyone loves to, to, to talk about with investors, but the best way that you can prove that you have loads of potential is to show traction. And I wanted to dig a little bit deeper into ways that you can prove your, you know, that you can create traction in your business because a lot of this is the marketing side, which is what I really focus on for startups. Um, and it's all about really connecting and building the relationship with your customers. And the way that you do that is you start at the ground floor with your brand. Um, one of the key, one of the things that I do when I'm before I'm engaging with any client, and it's a really interesting practice for for any of you that are listening right now, or even if you're just thinking of starting a brand, because we have different levels of of founder here, but the uh, the process of of making sure that you have absolute clarity on your brand, your mission, your value, who you serve, who is your target client, know everything about them. Just how I said um, previously about making your ideal investor avatar, everyone hears about that with branding, right? Your ideal client avatar. Dig as deep as you can. Dig deep into the data and your metrics. Understand as well as the financials, I'm getting as intense as the financials, but understand your customer better than anyone on the planet because this is going to, this is really going to prove also the potential of your business. And I would say, because again, in South Florida, in this part of the, of the world, particularly, we're not seeing these deals uh, being made, these big investments coming just from ideas alone. I mean, that, of course, that happens, but it's, it's not really happening in our community. Um, we, you know, we want uh, to see mature businesses, well thought out businesses, businesses with traction, um, that's sort of as a community leader with SoGal, this is sort of what, we, and CIC also mission, helping to cultivate and elevate uh, the level of all the startups that we have here in South Florida. Um, but again, having customers is just the best proof that you know what you're doing, that your business has excellent potential, and that the investment that's coming in is just going to expedite uh, that growth exponentially, right? Um, and so crafting a really tight marketing plan uh, is a really great way to start. Know your customers, know where they are. Don't be everywhere, be where they are. When we're starting up, we have limited resources. Do not do everything. Focus on that customer, where they are, their customer journey, how they shop, um, how they wanna um, convert to buy your product or service. Um, Know them like the back of your hand. Cultivate relationships. Have exquisite customer service. Um, gather reviews. Gather um, feedback from clients. Um, all of this is going to be really great ammunition for your pitch deck. Um, and it's, it's really the number one thing I think that's going to help push, uh, especially in this area, founders like to that table uh, in a more serious way. So these are sort of the two sides of the coin that I really wanted to chat about. But what is really exciting for me um, is to spend a little time learning about you guys um, and where you are in your challenges. And, you know, I have, I do have a question, which I'll get to.
um, if I can figure out how to get to it. And, but, you know, one of the things that I'm most passionate about is really building this, uh, the founder community in sort of traditionally underrepresented places around, uh, around the country. Um, and Miami has a lot of promise and we have a lot of incredible founders and there are um, quite a, no a large number of funders here across the state. And I see that the, you know, a lot of, um, a lot of issue lies in that connection, being able to, to see, to show the investors the real potential of the founders here and to help the founders really get to where they need to be in order to present something that's really strong um, to the funders. So let me see if I can get to the question one second. Oh no, that's in Canva. No, hold on one second. Here. Okay, so I have one question that is, hold on. Hey, Victoria, I'll go ahead and help you reading them out for you, okay? Oh, sorry, I can't click on it, it's not opening. No worries, no worries. Um, so we have Allison that says, um, in a market that is changing so much, do you have any strategies or specific layout on how to map out the road to success on 2021 for an investor? Yeah, you know, this question I've been fielding a lot, and I've actually talked directly to both sides of the coin, the founders and the funders. And I think we want to look at approaching this COVID, this post-COVID era as being very different um, and that we have to do something very special uh, with the way that we're presenting our pitch decks, the way that we're talking to investors. And I would say getting that strong foundation um, is super duper important. But what investors want to see now, it really lies in that, mm, that business plan and that ability to pivot. Um, so a lot of that comes in the confidence of the team. But what I've seen some founders do, which is really interesting, is um, because of all the uncertainty, to be presenting different scenarios, different sales channel scenarios, um, selling to different segments, sort of ex exploring or doing market research on a couple different segments or a different, couple different situations, um, and doing that also on the supply chain side. So um, supply chain, of course, has been a mess. Uh, like a historic mess. And so there is a lot of hesitation for doing um, products, for example, with a complicated supply chain. So being able to work out different scenarios or showcasing that you have a strong relationship with your uh, like logistics provider or your freight forwarder, um, if you have sort of a, a product that goes through that uh, long logistic process, um, would, is really helpful. Um, because what investors want to see is that agility with the, with the funder, uh, sorry, the founder. They want to see the, the, an agile business because that's what everyone has, to, has had to do. Um, and it's the ones that have been able to pivot and take things online if they didn't expect to or reimagine other ways to, uh, to deliver a service or do a home subscription. Thinking outside the box um, is, is a really great way to kind of show how you're safeguarding their investment. Great, thank you so much for that, Victoria. Um, then Angel says, how do you identify what change in target markets during the pandemic? So for your individual business, 
the target market for your individual business changing? Well, what you, what, there has been a, a lot of really interesting research, and I know Harvard Business Review has done um, a number of, of studies, not just uh, in this pandemic, but also in the 2008 recession, um, which is really helpful to do uh, some research on 2008, to look at buyer behavior and how it changed through previous recessions because you can see a pattern um there's one harvard business review article and let me just make a note because i can i'll send it to you uh ali and you can put it maybe when you send the recording um that looked at all of the recessions from um from the great depression and uh sort of made a thesis um showcasing the common thread that happens sort of whenever there's an economic recession and this economic uncertainty. Um, and you can kind of gain an idea an understanding on how your buyer's personality, your not personality, sorry, but their buying um, habits may change. Um, another really helpful exercise is again, digging into your ideal client avatar, understanding who your current client is. And, and this, is, this is, of course, it's quite uh, subjective, but really through the data will help you. Um, understanding what way uh, they, are, been, they have been affected their personality-wise by, by the pandemic. So I'll give you an example say there's, there are three different kinds of buyers. Let's, let's use three as an example. I believe there's more, but there's some, you know, there's a lot of people that are buying just as usual. Honestly, there is um, some people that have completely stopped purchases hundred um, percent because they're saving, they're redirecting, uh, you know, changing their habits in order to adjust for the uncertainty. There's people that are going on uh life as normal. There's some people that choose to, you know, they become more impulsive as they, as they shop. So the best answer I can give you is looking at your data, looking at your sales data, your Shopify data, um, your analytics data, and talking, like picking up the phone and talking to past customers or past clients and understanding where their head's at, because that's the only way that you're going to, once you begin to understand sort of how their habits are changing that you could do, you know, different promotions or different, um, you know, different benefits. Like, you know, maybe you find you, you can tweak things like free shipping or um, promotions tailored to something that would make be in line with their buying habits or add a different service, like seeing how all these restaurants have pivoted, right. To, you know, they'll walk things out to your car, like Home Depot or whatever, but you won't really know that un unless you sort of do the research. You can see the macro level of, you know, what generally happens in these situa situations. And you can look at the, the micro level and uh, just pick up the phone and talk to your, your clients or your past customers. Um, because there is no real answer of A plus B equals C with, with COVID. And I think it, 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 it goes, you know, with that, I mean, it goes without saying, but I think we're reaching a very interesting season right now in be, as we go before Christmas into fall. 
Um, you know, kids are back at school. People are filtering kind of into office spaces again, sort of <laughs> some more people maybe in CIC. Um, but we don't know what's going to happen. So what I have seen through the first half of the pandemic is the clients that I've worked with that have doubled down since March have had a really nice pickup and some of their best months sales-wise in August and September. So what that tells me is do not let your foot off the gas ever. Be relentless in sales and marketing to your customers. Not relentless, I mean, not obnoxious, but I'm saying relentless in the fact of do not stop. You know, um, be very cognizant of the promotions that you're putting through, you know, not to just be putting promotion after promotion through because you're scared. No, stay strong um, and confident and consistent. Um, use the data that you have to, to help you make informed decisions and keep pressing forward with that consistency. Don't stop your marketing. Don't stop your sales. Um, because again, the proof is in the pudding for people that kind of, I know some companies that had, you know, fired all of their subcontractors had to let a lot of people go. Uh, and you know, the, the founders that are you typically, you know, that's the first thing to go. You kind of start, stop pumping money into marketing and that couldn't be further from, from what you should do because in this uncertainty, you know, it gives people a degree of comfort to have consistent messages, even from brands. And we may laugh that, you know, some of them can be quite cheesy, but it's getting to the level of your customer, letting them know that you understand uh, what they're going through, that you're going through something as well, that you're going to do everything in your power to help, you know, if they want to buy from you, you know, make it as easy as possible and, and really just listen to them, listen to them on social media or pick up the phone and, and, and call them if you can. Um, I think we have another question that came through. Thank you, Victoria. Um, let's see here. Angel said, thank you. That was really helpful. Um, then we have another question that says, how do you choose the right digital marketing strategy during this time where everything is so saturated? Again, it's really about being very thoughtful and listening to your customers one strategy that I think has been really, really nice for small brands is to build partnerships. So focusing a little bit less on sales, because let's be serious, you know, in, in April of 2020, we really couldn't expect, you know, sales to be through the roof. Um, and who knows, because in November or December, if things go back to the way they were, which who knows what's going to happen. Um, Yes, it is very um, out of touch to be just putting through sales messages all of the time um, and just following your marketing as usual. What I think has been really nice is focusing on audience growth at any, you know, at any cost. I mean, even if it's giving things away for free, giving away information, that's why building partnerships, doing giveaways, doing things that are fun, things that are entertaining, um, there's so many really brilliant campaigns that have also come out through this whole thing. Um, and it's not the call to action to buy, buy, buy. It's about giving comfort, um, feeling united, you know, and, and really just taking a genuine approach. 
some people feel really icky to marketing, but again, the, the, the businesses that I've seen that have been consistent and thoughtful, uh, again, have reaped the rewards because it's been like incredible to see, you know, businesses in, in my network that are, again, have had like over last year sales, like incredible, incredible months. Um, so yeah, that's how I would look at the strategy. It's about the thought behind it and being very, um, sensitive because I, I think there's also, I mean, what I have personally felt is whenever that message gets less sensitive, especially on the services side, um, that there has to be a level of degree and care. You know, if you, I think there's a lot of, you know, that give, give, give marketing strategy and then kind of the asking for the sale. It, it, there's not a perfect formula, but it really is, um, you know, has to be done in a way that makes people feel not exploited that, you know, cause we're all going through this, this crazy thing. Um, and so it just takes a bit of creativity and a little bit of thought. And this is something that like, not to, to pitch myself at this, at this juncture, but, um, I'm happy like over, over LinkedIn, um, on the phone, you know, for free, I do sessions just to like kind of hammer out some ideas, um, on how, you know, to, to help you give you some specific ideas on what you could maybe do to prepare yourself for Q1 of 2021. Um, and just, you know, different ways that you can pivot, different ways that you can approach the marketing that maybe will feel a little bit more genuine and um, some ideas on how you can listen to your audience. Because again, it is, you know, anyone that thinks that they have the answer is full of SHIT because this is a, um, you know, it's just a time to really be listening and testing things out. Um, do that, you know, A-B testing on the copy, I think has been really, really helpful. Um, to find what lands and a lot of programs because I, I know a lot of you are probably doing a, a portion maybe of the marketing yourself or working closely with a marketing um, manager or intern, you know, utilize things like A-B testing on MailChimp or any of your, whatever your CRM program is um, on, you know, on the head, uh, on the head subject, sorry, the subject lines, um, A-B testing on advertisements because this is just another tool to listen to, you know, how things are landing. Sometimes, you know, we live in a world now where we don't even, you know, we don't know what may come off as X, Y, and Z. It may sound really good to us. Um, and then maybe not get the response that we wanted. So I think just taking that sensitive approach is really, uh, really helpful. So, um, Okay, so there are no more questions, I guess. Um, I want to invite you, if you guys go to our website, uglyventures.com, I have um, a free template for Pitch Deck um, that you guys can go ahead and download it if you want. It's a great place to get started um, and kind of prompt you through all different questions um, for each slide, each section on how you should uh, kind of imagine your Pitch Deck. But I wanna give like one last tip that I find really, really helpful. When you're making your pitch deck, um, focus on the questions that I had um, that I had shared in the previous slides. These seven questions, and I'm going to go ahead and send these slides to you as well. But in creating your pitch deck, also create another document that's one or two pages. Um, that's going to be like a teaser to your pitch deck. Um, this is a this is a really useful tool that sometimes people don't think about, but 
investors definitely don't want to read through pitch decks. Um, and a lot of times they blindly get sent these 20, 30, 50 slide pitch decks and it's very overwhelming and they, they usually just skip everything and just look at the financials. So um, the template I give you is, is really good to, to kind of work through all of the things. And when you're sitting down in a formal pitch meeting, going through all of that is really useful. But in the, when you're sort of trying to build those relationships or trying to get that meeting, a one pager is sufficient. So also develop that as well, I would, I would, I would recommend. Um, so yep, that's, so that's that, that's me there, my email and my phone number. Um, and again, be, feel free to connect on LinkedIn. I love um, just talking to, to you guys out there in the community. Um, if you're interested in joining SoGal, also pin me, uh, ping me and I can get you um, all the information for that. That is a completely free community um, and it's uh, a great way to meet uh, other founders and you know exchange war stories and also great get some great introductions to funders as well and there's a lot of great education just like in as in cic there's a webinars like this so i really appreciate you guys taking the time to uh go through this webinar with me i know it's a crazy busy time um and i wish you all luck in this journey and please reach out if you have questions thank you so much